Well, if you were, happened to be here last week, you, you may recall we began a discussion about why Jesus is the better choice. I talked last Sunday about how the world that we live in desires for us not to have a life centered on Christ. That the true world that we live in is broken. That it desires for us as we make decisions one right after the other to really be centered on what the world wants us to have and need versus what God desires for our lives. And that that struggle, that struggle that we live in will always be there. But that if we choose Christ first, if we have him at our center, well, the truth is all shall be good. And it is true because of his son, Jesus Christ, and the love that he has for us. We seek hope. We seek strength. We seek God to take away the pain that we suffer from time to time. The world tells us, here's how you take that away on your own. Here's how you can do that for yourself. But yet God says, give it to me. Give it to me and I shall be the one to carry it for you. Over the the many years that I've done student ministry, part of that journey has been taking students through confirmation. Now, there are two here that that will have that joy of spending a few weeks with me in confirmation, and I look forward to that. Now, I have to confess that during confirmation, every year it seems to always happen. I ask the question, and so since they're both here today... I think it would be perfect to ask them this morning, what do you think? They all said, yes, wonderful. So I'm going to ask you two this question. Since you're going through confirmation, you have to answer this very first question. It's the beginning of confirmation. We can't do anything else without you answering this question. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Excuse me? Okay, I was a little worried here for about two seconds. It's okay. It's usually when you're in a small room and it's just you and the students, it's much noisier. I don't know why that happens. Apparently, they get nervous. You guys want to come up here and do it? Oh, I was just kidding. <laughs> Man, we worried there for a minute. Um, no, that's a question I always ask students at the beginning of confirmation. So, you, see, you guys are already out of worry. You did it, so we don't have to do it that first Sunday. Because I think it's important as they go through that journey that I understand, okay, do you have a belief in Jesus Christ? That's why we're here. I got to thinking about this. I've done confirmation for well over 15 years. Never one time in those years has anyone ever said, I do not believe in Jesus Christ. Now, either that is because I am the one asking the question and they don't want to tell me no. Or the second half is what I think might happen is they think if they tell me no, I'm going to run to their parents and say, do you know your kid doesn't believe in God? I'm not sure which it is, but it's one of the two I wonder at times. Then I'll ask the second question. Molly, tell me about your faith in Jesus and how that impacts your life and your choices that you make every day. See, that's the response I always get every time when I ask that question. I'll either get a smile like that, or they'll look down to the ground and like, praise God, I hope he doesn't call on me next. Because that's a hard question to answer, isn't it? 
That's a difficult and challenging question, really, truly, for any of us. Now, I'm sure, Fred, if I asked you that question, you would have a great answer for me, right? You'd have an answer. Yeah, he'd be like, yeah, I'd have an answer, and it'd be short and quick so it can go on to the next person. But but the reality is that's, that's always a struggle for most people. They can tell you they believe in Jesus, and they know it in their heart, and they hold on to it tightly. And I suspect for all of us in here this morning, we all would have that same answer. Yes, I believe in Jesus Christ, and he is my center. And then if I started probing the question, well, tell me about your theology. Tell me about what all that means. Then it gets a little harder. Part of the the journey that we go through in confirmation is at some point we'll begin to discuss what it means to have faith. And what does that look like? Now, I don't give them all the answers. My goal is always to give them the courage to ask the questions. And it seems always at some point throughout that journey, someone, someone will ask the question about another faith tradition. They'll ask the question, so, so, okay, we believe these things, but what about these other faith traditions? What, what about those who believe in Buddha? Or what about Hinduism? What does that religion look like? Or what, what is Judaism? Or what is Islam? Taoism? Do you know what Taoism is? Anyone? Okay, we have one. Excellent. All right. Good. Let me be worried there for a minute. Uh, that's okay. Most people don't know what Taoism is. That's all right. Uh, Scientology? You, you know everything about Scientology? No. No? Okay. Just, they won't let you in? No. Unless you get in, you don't find out. That's true. That's true. It is very secretive, isn't it? Even then, your money will be gone. Amen to that. Yeah, I don't have enough money to get into Scientology, to be honest with you. So, um, But the truth is there's a lot of faith traditions, and students will always ask about what those are. And I'm going to touch on a little bit in case, in case you have forgotten or, or may not fully know. Um, usually the, the ones that come up most often are Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, and Judaism. Those, those four usually a student will ask, well, tell me about what these are. And we don't spend a whole lot of time talking about them. I say, you know, research them. Bring your questions back, and we'll talk about what those mean, especially as it relates to our faith in Jesus. Now, Buddhism, for example, uh, is a, we'll say it's a fairly old religion. Um, 2,500 years ago, a man was born, and I'm going to read his name because I will, I will butcher this name. I cannot say this name. It's Sudardath Gautama. He was born in Nepal. He became Buddha. This was a man who wanted to seek enlightenment. And he felt that to seek enlightenment, he had to give away all his possessions and become poor. That that's how it would begin. And it would be a journey. But this was just a man. He was not, and he never said he was God. He never said he was a prophet. He just was a man seeking enlightenment. And then he found a journey on how to do that. Hinduism is, is a different religion that comes up. It dates back about 1500 years. 1500 BC is what some of the oldest writings are. Now, in Hinduism, uh, how many gods are there? A bunch, he says. How, how many gods, Fred? Do you know? You have no idea. You did not study for this test, did you? No. I'm very disappointed in you today. <laughs> Edwin, do you know? Do you want to take a guess? 
You don't even want to guess because you know you'll be way wrong. It is a lot. 330 million is the estimated number of gods in Hinduism. Has anyone in here been in a Hindu temple besides myself? No. Okay, good. So I can tell you whatever I want. You're all going to have no ideas. Great. Now, in a Hindu temple, at least the, the two that I, that I visited in India, beautiful structures, at least on the inside. The outside, very, very simple. But I went inside, um, and in the center, in the courtyard, a giant, massive courtyard, was a statue. This statue was Brahma, their main supreme god. They have a supreme god, and then there are 330 million estimated uh, gods underneath that. And around the courtyard are all the other gods. Not 330 million, by the way. Uh, in the two temples I visited, one had 40. Uh, the other had, I stopped counting it at 50. I just, there was too many to count. And they're all just lined up around the courtyard. And you go into this temple and you go visit your god. Whichever one is yours. For your family or for yourself. And some, the one I went to, they were taking food in to pay homage, or some brought flowers, uh, some brought other things, I don't even know what it was. They just brought gifts to their gods. But it's a very impersonable, very distant relationship. In Hinduism, the gods are of the universe, they are not of, they've never been to earth, they don't have a connection to earth. We just worship them, they would tell you. Very, very impersonable. And then, usually without question, we, we have a conversation about Islam. Islam, as you may know, has one God. It is our God. They share the same God as we do. But Islam, at its core, is a loving and peaceful faith tradition. The Quran, their readings, is their book, which was handed down by Muhammad, the last great prophet, as they would tell you. He is the one that brought the writings down to Mecca. And the book of, has anyone read the book of Quran here? Anyone? You, you've read parts of it? Um, who's in the book of Quran? Can you tell us the story of the Quran? No, no you didn't prepare for this test either, did you? like Judaism, there are those that use religion for evil. 
where they use religion for, for their fear, if you will. But all of these religions are centered on peace and love to fill our lives with hope. Judaism, as you may know, is, is part of Christianity because Jesus himself was a Jew. Nicodemus, we hear in the story, a Pharisee. And he comes to Jesus and he asks Jesus a very important question. He says to Jesus, I know you're a teacher. In fact, you're a good teacher. But what I don't understand is you are doing all these miracles, which could only come from God. So explain to me how this is so. And there is at the heart of the difference between Christianity and Judaism. In Judaism, they see Jesus as a very good teacher, a rabbi, but that he does not fulfill the messianic prophet. In other words, he does not fulfill all the check boxes, if you will, to be the son of God. He's just a really good teacher. And so we'll have every now and then a, a conversation. A student will ask the question, well, if all that's true, Pastor, why should I believe in Jesus? Why should my friends believe in Jesus? Why should they follow Jesus? And we'll get into the story and the theology over the course of many weeks. And it will be many weeks, don't you worry. Where we'll have the conversation of why is Jesus better? The reason Jesus tells Nicodemus that he's better is because that Jesus comes with a gift. That gift is the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus is present. Jesus is here in this space today, right now. He is in this room, in this church as we worship God. He is here. Why? Because he promised the Holy Spirit would be with us. And to me, that's overseeds all the other faith traditions. That we know God is here in our midst. Jesus also is better because of who he is. He is the Son of God, but he is also God incarnate, Emmanuel. We hear in the Gospels of Matthew that the angels told Mary, you shall have a son shall be named Emmanuel, God with us. God is here. God came into this world that we live in so that we would know that God not only understands our suffering, not only understands the struggle that we face in the world, but that we would have a face to look to in His Son, Jesus Christ, that there is God here. And it was Jesus. And He not only came for us, He not only showed up and walked on this dirt that we walk on, not only touched the walls that we touch, felt the wind on his face as we do, but that he did something even greater for us, that he suffered, and he suffered so greatly that none of us will ever face that suffering again. None of us will ever have the pain that he went through for us all because God loves you. 
And see, to me, that is the difference between what I believe, what I hope you believe, and what these other traditions believe. Is that we have a connection to God. And it's through Him and His Son, Jesus Christ. And that the Holy Spirit fills this space. And that when we come into it with our brokenness, we can lay it at the foot of the cross and give it to Him. And He promises, He promises to carry it for us. Not because we put a lot of money in the plate. Not because on Thursday we prayed extra hard. But because we showed up. Because we acknowledge Him in our hearts. And He promises that one day all shall be wiped clean. That I shall wipe the tears from your face. That I shall and will wrap you in a blanket of comfort. Because of my love for you. Now, Jesus does tell Nicodemus that there is the one thing you must understand. He says you must be born from above. You must be born from above. And he says this because what he's telling Nicodemus, and I believe he's telling you and me, is that we must accept him in our hearts. And in doing so, and in doing so, we must acknowledge that we are truly transformed. Much like the butterfly is. Much like anything, just like the, just like the, it snowed last night, right? So the grass is now white. It will go back to green, and it's going to snow again, and it's going to go back and forth. The seasons just always change. But that there's a transformation that happens in us that is so profound, so powerful, that we are now different. We are no longer the same. We will see the world differently than when we saw it before. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, very truly I tell you this. Very truly I tell you this. That if you believe, if you believe, Oh, you will be different. Because you will now be born from heaven, not of earth. Book of Psalms in the, in the 149th or 46th Psalm. There's, a, there's, a, there's some writings that David gives. And I, and I want to share you, with you just briefly some of these words. But he opens up in this psalm and he says, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. This is a hallelujah psalm that David is singing. And he's singing this because he sees what God does in his life. Not just the work, but the transformation that he has done. The gift that God gave to David. And God gives you the same precious gift. That we must, because of that gift, sing his praises. Sing it with all we have. Because God loves you. And because of that, God shall reign forever. That there shall now no longer be strangers. Because he shall uphold the orphan and the widows. And the way of the wicked he shall wipe away and ruin. Because he reigns forever. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's a beautiful psalm in which David reminds us of the grace that God gives to us.
And so when I think of other faith traditions, and I think some of them are beautiful, and they can give us some great teachings. But at the end of the day, when I look to my God, and I know that He came and He sent His Son to die for me so that my sins would be forgiven, and that I was promised that through the cross, death lost, life won, and that in that tomb when Jesus rose again, I had a life with him for eternity. That this world shall and never will break me down. It will hurt me. It'll make me cry. But that I will win because of Jesus Christ. And that, to me, is the greatest gift that my God can give to me. Amen.